Chapter 7 of A Game of Chance by a Self-Made Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7. In which Tessie Rickson springs a trap on Jesse Fairweather and how it worked. The operating room of the Northport Cotton Mills was in full swing. At least a hundred busy girls were employed in that room, and the majority of them had their eyes cocked up at the big clock which hung within sight of all, for the long hand pointed to a minute to twelve. Way down in the engine room in the corner of the big yard, Will Summers was also watching a smaller timepiece, while one of his hands was raised, his fingers gripping the cord that would in another moment send forth a welcome blast, releasing every one of the mill's employees from work for one hour. At that interesting moment, Tessie Rickson, who had been to the dressing room, rushed up to one of the four women in a state of great excitement. "'Oh, Miss McVoyle, somebody has taken my pocketbook,' she said hysterically. "'What's that?' said the forewoman sharply. She was a stout, red-faced woman whom none of the girls liked because she was such a crank. Jessie Fairweather, in particular, was a target for Miss Boyle's ill-temper because she took very little notice of the woman's outbursts and also because she was so pretty and such a general favorite. "'Somebody has taken my pocketbook,' repeated Tessie in a voice sufficiently loud to attract attention. "'Nonsense!' snapped Miss McBoyle. "'It's really so,' persisted the red-haired girl with a great show of earnestness. "'You'd mislaid it somewhere.' "'No, I didn't, Miss McBoyle. I know I left it in the pocket of my jacket in the dressing room.' "'Well, what do you expect me to do about it?' grunted the forewoman. I wish you'd come and help me find it. The idea! Don't you think I've something else to do, Miss Rickson? Oh, dear, I don't know what I shall do, piped Tessie tearfully. At that moment off went the whistle, and the girls throughout the room began to flock at once toward the dressing rooms. Well, come along, said Miss McBoyle rather ungraciously. Somebody must have taken it out of my pocket, insinuated Tessie. "'I don't believe it,' replied the forewoman. "'Well, I wouldn't trust that fair-weather girl as, as she is such a favorite,' said Tessie vindictively. At this, Miss McBoyle cocked up her ears. "'What makes you think she might do such a thing?' "'Oh, I've my reasons,' said Miss Rickson, tossing her hair disdainfully. "'Well, I must say I don't fancy her myself,' sniffed the forewoman. Tessie knew that and began to throw out insinuations against the fair Jessie. "'I'd search her dress if I was you,' said Miss Rickson eagerly. For reasons of her own, the forewoman was ready to adopt this unfair plan, for she was only too eager to humiliate the bell of the factory, so she snatched down the girl's walking dress from the hook, just as its owner entered the room with a bevy of her friends. "'Why, Miss McBoyle, that's my dress!' protested Jessie as the woman thrust her coarse red hand into the pocket of the dress, much to Tessie's delight. "'I believe it is,' snapped the forewoman as she brought a small pocketbook to the light. "'There! I told you she took it!' screamed Tessie. "'That's my pocketbook!' "'What have you got to say to this, Miss Fairweather?' asked Miss McBoyle with a triumphant ring to her voice. "'Are you in the habit of taking things that don't belong to you?' "'I don't understand, Miss McBoyle.' replied Jessie with dignity. Indeed. Perhaps you can explain how Miss Rickson's pocketbook happened to be in the pocket of your dress. The other girls crowding around stared in astonishment. I haven't the slightest idea how such a thing occurred, unless Miss Rickson put it there herself by mistake. The idea, sniffed Tessie with a scornful glance at her intended victim. 
"'She accuses you of stealing it from her,' said the forewoman severely. "'Accuses me of stealing her pocketbook?' gasped Jessie, flushing with mortification at such a charge. "'Yes, miss, and as the article has been found in your possession, I shall have to inform the superintendent,' said Miss McBoyle in a tone of satisfaction. "'I had no idea we had a thief in the mill.' "'Miss McBoyle, how dare you insinuate such a thing?' cried Jessie, tears of indignation coming into her pretty eyes. "'It's a shame,' chorused the other girls. "'Jessie wouldn't do such a thing.' "'You're mad because you've been caught in the act,' sneered the forewoman. "'I always thought you were a sly thing with your innocent airs and prudish ways. You ought to be ashamed of yourself.' "'Girls, do you believe me capable of such a thing?' cried Jessie, appealing with burning cheeks and flashing eyes to her working mates. "'No!' they shouted with one accord. "'How can you accuse Jessie of taking your property, Jessie Rickson?' cried one spirited girl, putting her arm around Jessie Fairweather. "'Well, it was found on her, all right,' said Tessie spitefully. "'I believe you put it there yourself, just to get her into trouble,' cried another girl, coming to Jessie's aid. "'The idea!' retorted Jessie angrily. "'You can believe what you like, Clara Parks. "'But I've my own opinion.' It isn't the first thing I've missed. Some people put on a lot of airs when they ain't no better than... Than what, Tessie Rickson? said Jessie, walking up to her accuser and looking her squarely in the eye. You needn't try to intimidate me, Miss Make-Believe, replied Tessie scornfully. You may soft-soldier the rest of the girls, but you can't draw the wool over my eyes. You are a deceitful thing. I know you talk about me behind my back. "'Say I have carroty hair, that my mouth is large enough to swallow snowballs, and I'm all bones. "'I hate you! There!' "'And Miss Rickson, with tears of rage in her green eyes, marched out of the room, "'leaving Jessie almost paralyzed with pained astonishment. "'Miss McBoyle had in the meanwhile gone down to the superintendent's office "'to register the charge of attempted theft against Miss Fairweather. "'What must you girls think of me?' exclaimed Jessie, breaking down at last under the strain of the terrible position in which she was placed. "'I know what I think,' cried one of her devoted adherents. "'You're the best and sweetest girl I ever knew,' and the speaker kissed Jessie tenderly. "'It's a shame,' said Miss Parks indignantly. "'It's more than that,' cried a little Burnett. "'It's an outrage. I move we have nothing more to do with Tessie Rickson.' "'I say so, too,' cried another girl. "'And I, and I!' and I. The whole bunch agreed. We'll fix her, the hateful thing, cried Miss Parks. It's a put-up job of her own. As for Miss Vinegary McBoyle, she only wanted an excuse to jump on Jessie. She is forever picking at her anyway. Now, don't cry, dear. We're all your friends, and we're just going to stand by you right up to the handle, as my brother calls it. Aren't we, girls? Yes, in chorus. You're very kind, all of you sobbed Jessie. But you don't know how mortified I feel at being called a thief, just as if I could take a value of a pin from anyone. Oh, dear, it's terrible. If I was you, I would go right straight to the superintendent and demand justice, cried Miss Parks. And we'll all go with you, exclaimed the rest. And the result of it was that Jessie did march straight down to the superintendent's office and stated the case, and every one of her friends insisted on being heard in her behalf. Mr. Harper smiled good-naturedly. Miss McBoyle made a sort of charge against you, Miss Fairweather, but I laughed her down. 
I bless you, young lady. I'd as soon think one of my own daughters guilty of such a thing as you. There, now don't cry, please. I take no stock in it at all. It's simply ridiculous. Go home, all of you, to your dinners, and I'll allow you half an hour extra today, under the circumstances as you've lost that much time over this silly affair. And Miss Rickson, when she returned to work that afternoon, found to her great disgust and mortification that not a girl in the room would notice her. End of chapter 7